It's all quiet in the underground bunker. Doors closed, locks bolted. But the great one isn't just resting on his laurels. He's making sure your weekend is even better by giving you his best. This is the best of Mark Levin. We start today's program, sadly, uh, talking about the passing of Bernard. You nationwide know him from the IMAS program. In and around New York City, many of you know him from WABC, uh, where he did a morning show, and uh, did a morning show. They were great twosome in the morning on WABC. Bernie and I were buddies. I don't mean social buddies. I don't mean that we went out. I don't mean that we called every day. But we were buddies. We shared the same philosophy. Kind of the same weird humor. Uh, We didn't take any enemies. And um, he was a really, really smart guy. But kind extremely kind he would call me before I'd go on Imus Imus would like me to come on from time to time actually often and he would say heads up you know he's going to do this he's going to talk about that I said okay that's cool and he uh, he was very loyal extremely loyal and I wish uh, more of you around the country could have heard his morning show. Because he's just fantastic. Uh, about three or four weeks ago, give or take, I tried to uh, call him on his cell phone, which I almost never did. And there was no answer. And there was no voicemail. And I knew there was a big problem at that point. But he will be remembered as one of the greats of radio. And one of the great people, kindest, decent people you can meet in this business. And those of you who may have met him outside this business know exactly what I'm talking about. So I want to wish Bernie's family and friends uh, my deepest sympathies. And I want to say, rest in peace, my brother. None of us, none of us make it out of here alive one way or another, one age or another, one illness or disease or another, one crime or another. We just don't make it out of here. Not alive. You know, um, I think it was Gene Shepard, another great radio man years and years ago, who said, and I was a young kid when I heard this in Philadelphia, you know, with the uh, transistor radio antenna picking up New York radio. But he said, and I remember he said something like this, because it has stuck with me forever. And I may have mentioned this to you in years past. 
he said, and I think I'm pretty close, you're not going to be remembered after a third or fourth generation. He said you didn't exist for all intents and purposes. And over the course of a thousand years of human history, there's probably 500 people. Maybe a thousand at the most. Whose names, whose existence are known and remembered. It's true, isn't it? Not to make you sad. Just make the best of the time you have on this earth with your family and friends, because that's all that's going to matter. And I believe that's true. How many of you know who your great-great-great-grandfather was? Or your great-great-great-grandmother was? Or go back one more grade if you do. And then you probably don't. It's really not as long ago as you think. 150 years ago, 200 years ago. It's true. So, um, I just want to say uh, rest in peace and... uh, and God bless to Bernie and his family. And he's gone to, as we say, a better place. Now, there's a lot out there today about Hunter Biden. Comes out of the Washington Post. So immediately I am suspicious by Devlin Barrett and Perry Stein, whoever the hell that is. Federal agency chargeable tax gun purchase case against Hunter Biden. Federal agents investigating Biden's son Hunter have gathered what they believe (coughs) is sufficient evidence to charge him with tax crimes and a false statement related to gun purchases, according to people familiar with the case. The next step is for the U.S. attorney in Delaware or Trump administration holdover is what they call them, to decide on whether to file such charges, these people said. The investigation began in 2018 and became a central focus for then-President Trump during his unsuccessful 2020 re-election effort. Initially, the investigation centered around Hunter Biden's finances related to overseas business ties and consulting work. Over time, Investigators with multiple agencies focused closely on whether he did not report all his income, whether he lied on gun purchase paperwork in 2018, according to the people familiar with the situation, who spoke on the condition of anonymity to discuss an ongoing case. Agents determined months ago they had assembled a viable criminal case against the younger Biden, but it is ultimately up to prosecutors and the Department of Justice, not agents, to decide whether to file charges in cases where prosecutors believe the evidence is strong enough to lead to a likely conviction at trial. Given the intense political interest in a criminal probe involving the son of a sitting president, Attorney General Merrick Garland has made clear that the U.S. Attorney in Delaware, David C. Weiss, who was nominated by Trump, now they've twice said that he's a Trump guy, right, Mr. Producer? Is supervising the case. Garland has vowed there will be no political or otherwise improper interference in the Hunter Biden case and has not moved to push Weiss to make a decision. People familiar with the matter said it's not uncommon for the Justice Department to take years to finish. And it goes on. 
and notice they didn't talk to Tony Bobolinsky. You know, I said yesterday, Hunter, uh, Tucker Carlson's interview of Bobolinsky the second time was really incredibly powerful. The first time was too, but the second time even more so because the FBI hadn't done anything. And there he is. He's basically encouraging the FBI to talk to him again. Or a grand jury to talk to him again. That is, they should be talking to Bobolinsky about their investigation of Hunter Biden because it clearly leads to Joe Biden. And Hunter Biden's the fall guy for Joe Biden. Joe Biden is corrupt. He's a crook. I've called him the Manchurian president because of all the money he and his family have received through various ways and various forms from the communist Chinese regime. But I want to suggest something to you. Why does this story come out now? Even within the story, it says that these investigators concluded months ago that they had the evidence to indict Hunter Biden. We've heard this over the past few months, too. Why is it coming out today on October 6th? at 2.26 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. Do you know why? (laughs) Do you know why, Mr. Producer? Before the election, no indictment? No. So my question was, why would the Department of Injustice leak now, October 6th, about a month before the election, this information on Hunter Biden? that they have the goods on them. But of course, they're not going after those criminal acts of Hunter Biden that might draw in Big Daddy, the big guy, Mr. 10%. So they're making, making sure they can protect Joe Biden. Why is it, ladies and gentlemen? Well, I'll tell you why. Which means you're going to hear this within an hour or two or three after I say it. Because people are probably saying right now, many of you in your cars and trucks or at your dinner table or wherever, well, what are they waiting for? They've got the goods on this guy. Even this leak says they've got the goods on this guy. They've had the goods on this guy for months. The grand jury's ready to go. It's ready to indict. What are they waiting for? What are they waiting for? They've got them. It's black and white. It's a trap. Now, why is it a trap? Anybody know? It's a trap because this is what they say about Donald Trump. The likes of Bill Barr and his ilk and other legal analysts and others have been saying and low IQ dimwit types on the constipated news network and MSLSD Fools in the New York Slimes and the Washington Compost, former federal persecutors. They have Trump dead the rights on the Presidential Records Act. He took them. And no, he can't just declassify on the fly. So he violated the Espionage Act, too. It's cut and dry. What are they waiting for? This Department of Injustice, under Meritless Garland, the hack U.S. attorney, 
the moron director of the FBI, a.k.a. the American Stasi, they are chomping at the bit to charge Donald Trump. They are chomping at the bit to charge him over Mickey Mouse claims. That's right, Mickey Mouse. Minnie Mouse, Donald Duck, whatever. And so, they flopped this out through their favorite, or one of their favorite, phony media platforms, the corrupt Washington Compost, and their ideological phony reporters to lay a PR foundation for charging President Trump at some point. From their point of view, the sooner the better. To demonstrate, see how fair we are? See how fair we are? We have all this stuff on Hunter Biden. It's only a matter of time till we pull the trigger. It's only a matter of time. They're not going to pull the trigger against Hunter Biden on anything related to Joe Biden. Period. Anything related to Tony Bobolinsky. Period. They've got to immunize Biden. They've got to protect him. He's their boy. But so what? They bring up Hunter on a few charges of this, that, or the other thing, or some negotiated plea deal or whatever. Slap him on the hand. Slap him in the face. Put him in jail a little while. What the hell? It's not as if he was a trespasser or parader on January 6th on the grounds of the Capitol. Now those people are dangerous. It's not as if he's a pastor or an activist against abortion. Now those people are dangerous. When the Washington Compost is involved and when you have a leak like this, it's not as it seems at surface level. It's just not. It's bizarre that this would be leaked to the Washington Compost and that the Washington Compost would run it a month before the election. The timing is relevant. The substance is relevant. The way they wrote it is relevant. Trump's name appears twice in the first four or five paragraphs of a story that has nothing to do with Trump. Nothing. So just to reiterate, they flop this out there. They tell you, we're ready to go. We're ready to get Hunter. It's obvious. We have black and white, open and shut case. You know, he didn't register as a foreign agent. He didn't pay his taxes. Well, what about the money he got from China and passed on to his daddy? And ah, Hey, 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 where are you going with this? We're not looking at that. But Trump, Trump took documents. He did what? took documents, that's right. And even the repubes. Even some of them are out there saying they have Trump dead to rights. And so you see, ladies and gentlemen, the Department of Justice will work out something with Hunter, or they'll charge him on, on various counts, and lay the predicate, I fear, for going after Donald Trump. We see only equal justice here. You know, over here at the Department of Injustice, uh, we only see equal justice. Mark Levin.
In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. Making your weekend even better. This is the best of Mark Levin. You know, the first night this hurricane hit landfall, I spent virtually an hour, the first hour of the program, talking about what a fantastic people we are. We come to each other's rescue and aid. We don't think about race, certainly not then. The diversity of backgrounds, it doesn't matter. We're red-blooded Americans. The linemen, the police, the firefighters, the emergency personnel, the volunteers. Doing everything they can, neighbor to neighbor, to help one another and to save one another. But that's not the way the radical left thinks. Have you been watching television lately? When you watch the putrid yentas on The View, it's all about politics all the time. You want to know why? They're very stupid people who never get dirt under their fingernails. They don't care about the working people in this country. They don't care about the middle class, lower middle class, really the poor. I don't care what their backgrounds are. I see them now. And they're illustrative of so many on the left. They pretend to be for the people and they hate the people. They hate the people. Have you seen all the white supremacists, Mr. Producer, working the electrical lines to try and get them working again? Have you seen them, ladies and gentlemen? And by white supremacists, I don't just mean white people. I mean Americans who make this country work of all backgrounds creeds, colors, ethnicities, and the rest. The white supremacists, you know, who make the country work. You've seen them all, all the white supremacist police and firefighters and emergency personnel. Again, regardless of race, these are men and women who are patriots, who love their country and their fellow man. I wonder how many law professors and college and university professors are out there trying to improve the situation for the people. I really do. Probably none. Maybe a couple. Well, Kamala Harris, she's at the Democrat National Committee Women's Leadership Forum on Friday. And she hasn't lifted a finger to help the people on the border. She hasn't lifted a finger to help the people who've dealt with this hurricane. 
Kamala Harris is always about Kamala Harris, like so many on the left. And she had something very, very important to say. People are trying to walk it back because of the pushback from the American people. But I want you to hear this, America. This is what she had to say on Friday, had to tip the blaze, cut to go. It is our um, lowest income communities and our communities of color that are most impacted by these extreme conditions and, and impacted by, by issues that are not of their own making. And oh, so women. we... Absolutely. So let's, hold on, let's, let, let's hold on a second. So, asked about the hurricane. It's the lowest income communities in our communities of color mostly impacted, and women, says actress Priyanka... Chopra Jonas, I don't know who that is. Why do I care? And women. I see, that's very interesting. So Mother Nature goes after mothers and women. Now before we go on with this idiocy, this insanity, I don't understand the name Democrat National Committee Women's Leadership Forum. Have we not concluded now that there's no such thing as women? Have we not concluded now that all we're talking about here is birthing women or formerly birthing people? Birthing people. Well, what's with the Democrat Party? On the one hand, they embrace women. On the other hand, they pretend that there aren't women. They can't define women because they're insane. Go ahead. We have to address this in a way that is about giving resources based on equity, understanding that we we fight for equality, but we also need to fight for equity, understanding not everyone starts out at the same place. And if we want people to be in an equal place, sometimes we have to take into account those disparities um, and, and do that work. I see. And is that what we should do when people need help? Take into consideration economic disparities? Take into consideration race? Now, if you're a rational human being and you're listening to this, what are you to make of it? What are you to make of this? Honestly, if you're a white person who's lost everything in Florida, what are you to make of the vice president's comments? If you're a black person working in a police force or firefighters or emergency personnel or the, or a lineman, what are you to make of this when you hear the vice president say, oh, I'm sorry, you need to go into other communities, not this community. And how exactly are we supposed to do this? When people are in need. Kamala Harris is a racist. That's what she is. And racism and the so-called progressive movement and the progressive era go hand in hand. Oh yes, they do. Hand in hand. The early so-called self-identified progressives, that is Marxists, were racists. Their presidents were racists. 
Their party was and is racist. Their media are racist. Whether it's trashing black people, whether it's trashing white people, whether it's trashing Asian people, whatever it is. Because that's the mentality they have. You're not an individual human being with individual worth. You're part of a group. So you can be managed and manipulated. And this is the problem, ladies and gentlemen. It leads to to a mentality like Kamala Harris has and actress Priyanka Chopra Jonas. Hurricane and disaster relief should be based on equity, on race, on groupthink, and on the individual needs of a human being. Individual human beings suffer. They have pain. They have heartache. They have stress. Individual babies, especially even those who are not born yet, they have pain. They can suffer. The inhumanity, the dehumanizing of the left has done grave damage to the psyche of the American people and to our country. When you can get up there and say, oh yes, yes, uh, hurricanes and disaster relief, yes, uh, we fight for equality, but we also need to fight for equity. Everybody stands out, starts out at a, at a you know, at a different place, and we want people to be equal in the place. And so, yes, you know, disaster relief. Not even communist regimes conduct themselves this way. But the progressive movement, so-called, does. It does. So if you need help, according to Kamala Harris, it should depend on your skin pigmentation. And then a determination will be made whether you should get help or not. Well, the FEMA administrator, Deanne Criswell, doesn't think this way. She has a job to do. She has a job to do. And that's to save people's lives and help people who've lost everything. And she's asked about this on Deface the Nation. Cut three, go. But just to be clear here, um, the senator said the vice president's comments were about if you have a different skin color, you're going to get relief. How do you respond to that? Yeah, again, Margaret, our programs support everybody. Um, I would say I believe some of the things the vice president was talking about are the long-term um, recovery and, and um, rebuilding these communities to be able to withstand uh, disasters um, so they can have less impact. We're going to support all communities. I committed that to the governor. But Margaret Brennan, it wasn't enough. Margaret Brennan is a propagandist for the Democrat Party, as are most of the media. And here she is duking it out with Rick Scott, senator from Florida. Cut for a go. Last night at his rally, Georgia Congresswoman uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene made a false claim that Democrats want Republicans dead and they have, quote, already started the killings. Given the level of security threat right now, 
Would you rebuke those comments? Well, I think what we got to do is we got to bring everybody together. I'd also say that what Vice President Harris said yesterday, that our day before yesterday, that you know, if if you have a different skin color, you're going to get relief faster. That's not what the, that does, that's that's not not what the Vice either. President said. So I said. think what we've got to do. That's not what the Vice President said. She talked about yeah, equity exactly and the problem meant. within FEMA. But I'm specifically asking you about Marjorie Taylor Greene and, and no, 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 President wait, no, no, Trump. Wait, 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 Margaret, Margaret, let's make sure. FEMA has to be colorblind. Mm-hmm. FEMA has to provide support to everybody. And uh, Margaret Brennan, how come you don't ask people about the things that Talib says about Jews? And she says it now every day. How come you don't ask Democrats about that? And why are you lying about what Kamala Harris said? We all heard what she said. We all heard what she said. So why are you lying about that? And why do you care? Why do you care what, uh, what's her name, Mar- Marjorie Taylor Greene said when you don't condemn Joe Biden for saying even worse? Why is that? I thought Rick Scott's answer was perfect. Absolutely perfect. Mark Levin. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. You're listening to the best of Mark Levin. This issue keeps lingering, and I'm very concerned it will be at the forefront after this midterm election. And its latest iteration is here at the Just the News. Biden tapping tax dollars to boost Democrat registration turnout for a House GOP voting watchdog. Hmm. With midterm elections just around the corner, congressional Republicans and election watchdogs are sounding alarms that the Biden administration and left-leaning nonprofits may be tapping taxpayer dollars and tax-exempt funds, respectively, to boost voter registration and turnout among Democratic constituencies under the guise of protecting democracy. You won't read this in the New York Slimes or the Washington Compost, and you won't hear this from Jamie the Red Raskin. In March 2021, as we've discussed, Biden issued an executive order entitled Promoting Access to Voting, which instructed federal agencies to develop proposals to expand opportunities to register to vote and participate in the political process, then submit their strategic plans to the White House Domestic Policy Council. Congressional Republicans have written letters to 12 federal agencies and both Office of Management and Budget Director Shalanda Young and Domestic Policy Council Director Susan Rice raising concerns about the order. Federal agencies should be focused on serving the American people by fulfilling their respective missions, not engaging in the Biden administration's political activities, wrote nine GOP House Committee ranking members in a statement after sending the letters to the 12 federal agencies. At a time when our nation is facing many crises, 
We want to ensure that President Biden is not diverting resources away from important programs that fall directly under our congressional oversight, they said. One of the questions raised by Republicans is how the departments will ensure that federal employees won't violate the Hatch Act. In implementing his executive order, that law prohibits covered federal employees from using their official titles or positions while participating in political activity, which is defined as activity directed at the success or failure of a political party, partisan political group, or candidate for partisan political office. Biden is revving up his re-election campaign with federal agencies, warns Phil Klein, the director of election watchdog organization, the Amistad Project. The effort is funded with Biden bucks, said Klein, alluding to Zuckerbucks, the approximately $400 million from Facebook founder Mark Zuckerberg, widely alleged to have been funneled through left-leaning nonprofits to turn out the Democratic vote in the 2020 presidential election. And if the Democrats do this, the Republicans must act immediately to impeach Biden and the Attorney General of the United States. Immediately. Because something's going on, because they won't respond to FOIA litigation, asking for copies of these documents that were sent to Susan Rice, among others. The Center for Tech and Civic Life, which received the bulk of the $400 million in donations from Zuckerberg, has previously said that the funds were spent in an effort to make voting safer amid the pandemic without any political preference. While Biden bucks are funding efforts similar to those funded privately in 2020 in the name of pandemic safety, the president is using taxpayer money under the pretext of Democratic participation, according to Klein. If the intent behind the executive order is to target a voter profile that benefits one political party at the expense of another, it violates a range of laws, Klein explained. The administration, however, is trying to disguise its intent. The challenge, he acknowledged, is proving intent. The 2020 election yielded enough evidence to prove intent, Klein said, as sophisticated technology was used in certain areas to find Democratic voters to help turn them out while ignoring Republican profiles. Election laws specify what is prohibited, but not what the remedy should be when they're violated. And they go through some of the states. Biden's executive order regarding voter registration is nearly identical to a federal election takeover plan crafted by the radical left-leaning group known as DEMOS, D-E-M-O-S. Republicans pointed out in a letter to Young earlier this year. DEMOS is a 501c3 tax-exempt organization. And under IRS rules governing such organizations, voter education or registration activities with evidence of bias that would favor one candidate or another, oppose a candidate in some manner, or have the effect of favoring a candidate or group of candidates, will constitute prohibited participation or intervention. Mm -hmm. Such tax-exempt organizations are specifically allowed to engage in voter registration campaigns, said J. Christian Adams. However, he said, if leftist organizations admit that they are specifically targeting their efforts on behalf of certain candidates, contrary to the federal tax code, that could jeopardize their tax-exempt status. I don't, 
think they care. I think these are kamikaze Democrats that will do whatever they have to. The Biden administration is weaponizing institutions, says Klein. And again, I want to add, ladies and gentlemen, that not one of these cabinet departments has provided real, substantive information about the plans that they sent to the White House. When you're talking about the Domestic Policy Council, or you're talking about the, um, uh, any other agency that, uh, that coordinates for the other cabinet departments, you're talking about the White House. So the White House is involved in this up to its eyeballs. Susan Wright is involved, excuse me, Susan Rice is involved up to her eyeballs. And the fact of the matter is they will not release these reports. They're clearly public. They're clearly required to release them, but they won't release them. So there's a cover-up going on because they're up to no damn good. And then they... You see, the way they position this is they always put themselves on the side of the law. No court would overturn this. Can you prove fraud? They institutionally alter the voting system by strategic targeted litigation in 2020 and before. They're institutionally making efforts under the radar, in the shadows, to change or affect the voting system with our tax dollars now. Zuckerberg, under the radar, $417 million, as Molly Hemingway has pointed out, were given to Democrat groups in Democrat precincts to promote democracy, don't you know? And it is January 6th, you see, where there is an insurrection. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this is the insurrection by the Democrat Party by their governors, by their courts, by their president, by their departments. And this is how it works. They have the government behind them. We don't. We don't. They're destroying our election system. They are spending a fortune on elections, scheming around the protections and the laws and the barriers that are in place. And we still don't know what it is that each department has proposed to do to spread democracy. This is so appalling. And other than certain conservative media sites, it is just shocking that the media itself, the corrupt media, will do nothing. Mark Levin. The Great One makes your weekend even better. This is the best of Mark Levin. Once again, OPEC. OPEC has said they are going to cut production by 2 million barrels. Despite the fact that Biden went over there groveling, begging the Arabs for oil, they said no. He's now pushed Saudi Arabia close to Putin and Russia. Meanwhile, energy independence in the United States was killed 
And quickly, within four months of Biden taking office and his party, as I speak, the bureaucracy is and has moved full steam ahead, crippling and sabotaging our fossil fuel industries and our ability to drill, refine, and deliver fuel to you. The reliance on electricity is ideological and insane. Since we don't have enough electricity to do everything they say will be done, since our electrical grids are not as stable as they need to be and not as big as they need to be, and since electricity is created by other fuels in the first place. But prices are going up, and they're going to go up faster now. Prices are going up, and they're going to go up faster. And by the way, as a footnote to the Putinoids who say, why would Russia damage their own pipelines? Because I'll tell you what's been going on behind the scenes. It's easy to figure out. Russia has worked with OPEC. OPEC's going to cut production by 2 million barrels. Russia's going to say, of course, that it cannot increase the flow of oil to Eastern and Western Europe, that is, to the Western countries. It'll continue to truck and train its fuel out, particularly to China, which will serve as an, an intermediary for Russia and sell the oil, so Russia will continue to make a fortune. But what Russia has done and will do is massively increase the price of gasoline and oil, which, of course, will help Russia. It'll punish Europe and it'll punish America because we are suicidal. We have more unused fossil fuel than any nation on the face of the earth. And we have more obstacles to getting to it than ever before. Ever before. Now, here's part of the problem. We'll get into some specifics in a little while because this is seriously going to damage seriously going to damage your lifestyle, your pocketbook, particularly people on fixed incomes, pensions, and the like. What's going to happen now is uh, the shortages are going to take place. Biden will look for others to blame. He will blame the oil companies, of course. The real problem we have now is this. Ideologically, the Democrat Party purposely put this in place. This is a mad, man-made disaster, which will cost people their livelihoods, cost people their jobs, and cost the economy enormously. And it was man-made. It was ideologically driven by the Democrat Party exclusively, exclusively by the so-called climate change activists, that is, Marxists. The degrowth movement, this is exactly what they've been wanting. Exactly what they've been wanting. They got it. But politically, it's a disaster. So they got the policies they wanted. They instituted the policies they wanted. They have control of Congress. They have control of the White House. They control the bureaucracy. They got exactly what they wanted. 
And they're not taking their foot off their gas pedal, so to speak. They just passed hundreds of billions of dollars to subsidize their utopian paradise and to destroy reality. That's exactly what's taking place. But their problem is it is a disaster politically. So they've had this huge ideological success, which is a disaster politically, because the American people reject this. The American people oppose this. And the effects on inflation and the effects on food production, food availability, the price of food, everything, starting with fertilizer, is disastrous. This situation is going to get incredibly grave. Biden has unleashed a war on America's energy production and is promoting and proselytizing an ideology. They have massively supported EVs or electrical vehicles because the market can't support it. The radical left and these corporatists together are using these ESG policies to prevent banks, financial institutions, and of course, oil industry companies and those related to them from expanding. From putting the kind of research and develop that that's necessary to provide you with what you need. So there's war on the investors. There is a, a subsidy for electrical vehicles. And of course, we can't refine the fuels because you can't get a refinery up in the last 45 years. And refineries are being ordered through regulation to move from refining fossil fuels to creating biofuels. There are biofuel mandates, which are also really not ready for use on a wide scale. They've also taken millions and millions of federal acres off the market for drilling of any kind. They've taken state acres off for drilling of any kind through the back door, through regulation, making it prohibitive. They took Anwar offline. They took New Mexico offline. They took offshore areas offline. They took pipelines offline. Obviously, the Keystone XL pipeline is the most infamous. But there's many pipelines that they've stopped. And they have appointed radicals at the EPA, at the Interior Department, and elsewhere, the Energy Department. Marxist radicals who at every turn, in the shadows, without your knowledge, without your knowing, and the media, of course, is not interested, are using every tool available to the bureaucracy, every bit of red red tape that exists to prevent production, development, and research. That's exactly what this administration is doing. The Securities and Exchange Commission has been unleashed illegally. It has no statutory authority. 
through an executive order, these ESG rules requiring firms to disclose so-called climate-related risks. So firms are required as a matter of federal regulation to obtain independent validation for their adherence to a radical left Democrat Party Marxist agenda. That's what they've done. So now you have accountants and lawyers and lobbyists and so forth and so on. We're making a fortune. Fortune. Harassing and suing companies. A fortune. Distracting them. Completely out of control. It's completely out of control. And then they lie. But I want you to think about what they're doing and what they're saying and how it is absolutely vile and the propaganda that they use. They blame Putin. You know I have no corner on Putin. I think he's a monster. But they blame Putin. They blame the entire world market. They blame the oil companies. They blame the gas station owners. If they could, they would blame the gas station attendants and the truckers. But it is they who've set policy through centralized edicts, executive orders, regulations, nothing that's gone through the hands of Congress and the representatives of the people. Nothing. Zero. And they are choking the golden goose. They are killing the golden goose that lays the golden egg. Killing it. Even the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. It's half full now. 48 hours ago, the Biden administration said they were done tapping it. Today, in response to OPEC, saying it's actually going to slash 2 million barrels a day. They're going to tap into it again, ladies and gentlemen. They can tap into it. There's about 400, 440, I think, million barrels left in that strategic reserve. It can take almost 800 barrels, 800 million barrels. It'll take no time at all to cut through the rest that's in there. Joe Biden doesn't build things. He destroys things. That's what the left does. They don't build things. They destroy things. They're going to destroy the automobile industry, too, which all but General Motors of the big three are all focused on electric vehicles. All focused on electric vehicles, regardless of what the market wants. It doesn't matter what the market wants. All in the name of environmental justice, economic equity, and other communist-like phrases that mean absolutely nothing but controlling the private sector and destroying capital investment. That's what's going on here. From the degrowth movement, the growth of big government movement, that's what's going on here. Let me read you something. We propose the following. Transformation of power relations and decision-making for the construction and anti-patriarchal 
people's power. Transformation of food production systems into agroecological systems. Thus ensuring food sovereignty and security, valuing knowledge, innovations, ancestral and traditional practices. Transformation of energy production systems, eradicating dirty energies, respecting the right of the peoples to fight poverty and keep fair transition as a guiding principle. Transformation of energy consumption patterns through education, regulations to large energy consumers and empowerment of the people over community-scaled systems. Implementation of participative government of territory and city planning systems, thus ensuring fair and sustainable access to land. Shifting from an energy and materials profligate system to a cyclical system that emphasizes the eradication and unsustainable exploitation of nature and promotes reduction, reutilization, and recycling of residues. Creation of accessible mechanisms for the protection of the displaced people and defenders of environment. This is from 2014. This is from a meeting of the so-called international environmentalists, a.k.a. Marxists in Europe. This is what their declaration states. And this is what the Biden administration is doing. The politics of this is a disaster, but this is exactly what they want to do. This is all man-made. It's all made by the Democrat Party. It's on them, 100%. Mark Levin. We're giving you nothing but the best, the best of Mark Levin. Our founding fathers here in this country brought about the only true revolution that has ever taken place in man's history. Every other revolution simply exchanged one set of rulers for another set of rulers. But only here did that little band of men so advanced beyond their time that the world has never seen their like since evolve the idea that you and I have within ourselves the God-given right and the ability to determine our own destiny. But freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. And if you and I don't do this, then you and I may well spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when men were free. Thank you. Ronald Reagan, 1981. little sped-up version there. But quite true, don't you think? I want you to compare. 1961, sorry. 1961. And then we have Joe Biden. Joe Biden, you know, all this talk in the media, all this talk by the legal analysts, all this talk by the former federal prosecutors and disgruntled former Trump administration employees about the dangers posed by former President Trump having these documents at Mar-a-Lago. And they can't point to a single instance, not one, where well, those documents were shared, revealed, discussed with anybody. Not one. And all the filings of the Department of Injustice, 
all the scrutinizing of the documents, they don't have one example, not one, that any classified information, regardless of level of classification, that any classified information was shared with anybody. And yet Donald Trump is a grave threat to the nation, ladies and gentlemen. He's the grave threat. No, the grave threat to the nation is the man, the putative president who sits in the Oval Office as I speak. He's a grave threat to this nation in every respect, domestic and foreign. The Associated Press, Biden's Armageddon talk, edges beyond bounds of U.S. intelligence. President Joe Biden's warning that the world is at risk of nuclear Armageddon was designed to send an unvarnished message that no one should underestimate the extraordinary danger if Russia deploys tactical nuclear weapons in its war against Ukraine, administration officials said Friday. That's not what happened. He made those comments. He made those comments at a fundraising event off the top of his head. President's grim assessment delivered during a Democratic fundraiser last night rippled around the globe and appeared to edge beyond the boundaries of current U.S. intelligence assessments. U.S. security officials continued to say they have no evidence that Vladimir Putin has imminent plans for a nuclear strike. Biden veered into talk about Ukraine at the end of his standard fundraising remarks, saying that Putin was not joking when he talks about the use of tactical nuclear weapons or biological or chemical weapons. Those are quotes. Further quotes, we have not faced the prospect of Armageddon since Kennedy and the Cuban Missile Crisis. He suggested the threat from Putin is real because it, his military is, you might say, significantly underperforming. Now, a couple of things about this. If you're Vladimir Putin, and you're the monster I say he is, and if he is very, very concerned about what's taking place, no question he is, if he's hanging on the power by a thread, and we don't know, but it's possible. And you hear the putative president of the United States speak like this. You almost feel like you've been given a green light, don't you, Mr. Producer? You're expected to use biological, chemical, or nuclear warfare. We expect you to do that. We don't think that's Outside the realm of possibility. Yes, he might do it. We've never been so close to a nuclear war since the Cuban Missile Crisis. And he says it at a Democratic fundraiser? How serious is this president? Should he be hunkering down in the Situation Room or in the Oval Office? With his National Security Team? With his State Department Team? With his Defense Department Team? And all the other teams you're supposed to... Seek advice from, if he really believes that, rather a Democratic fundraiser. So that's point two. This man is so dangerous. I can't even believe that there's any thought that anybody's going to vote Democrat this November. I can't believe it. White House Press Secretary Corinne Jean-Vier said today she did not directly respond to a question about whether Biden had gone into the event intending to invoke Armageddon. 
The White House sought to clarify the president's off-the-cuff comments. Well, two things. That sentence is internally inconsistent. Did he intend to invoke it? Then they say the comments were off the cuff. The comments were off the cuff. She told reporters, quote, Russia's talk of using nuclear weapons is irresponsible and there's no way to use them without unintended consequences. It cannot happen. She added that if the Cuban Missile Crisis has taught us anything, it is the value of reducing nuclear risk and not brandishing it. It's also the value of not suggesting that your enemy really is quite capable of using nuclear weapons. Oh, yes, folks. It's Armageddon, potentially Armageddon, just like the Cuban Missile Crisis, folks. Biden's national security team for months has warned that Russia could use weapons of mass destruction in Ukraine as it has faced a series of strategic setbacks on the battlefield, but the president's remarks were the starkest warnings yet by the government about nuclear stakes. They weren't warnings. They were off-the-cuff comments at a fundraiser. That's not where you deliver a warning or how you deliver a warning. When U.S. officials said Biden was also trying to warn against underestimating the danger any level of tactical nuclear weapons would have. We know that. But that's not what he did at his Democrat fundraiser. So they're done. In other words, they're not even criticizing Biden. They're not even critiquing his utterly irresponsible talking at this fundraiser. There's some concern in the administration that Russia has determined it can use its nuclear arsenal in a manner short of a full-blown nuclear attack on Ukraine and face only limited reaction from the U.S. and Western allies who are determined to keep the Ukraine conflict from turning into a broader war, according to the official, who spoke on condition of anonymity to discuss administration thinking. So that's uh, probably Jake Sherman, the uh, national security advisor. Putin has repeatedly alluded, okay, we know Putin has threatened to use nukes. We know he might. Tactical nukes. But as president of the United States, you don't go to a Democratic fundraiser off the cuff and talk about and talk about if you don't believe Putin's willing to use this or capable of it you better think twice you better think twice Armageddon he calls it we're at risk of a nuclear Armageddon that's what he says no joking, quote, when he talks about the use of tactical nuclear weapons or biological chemical weapons. The threat from Putin is real because his military is, you might say, significantly underperforming. Again, you're Putin and you hear that, and what do you say? Well, see, Biden says it's not a mere threat. I'm, I'm not joking. It's not a mere threat. So he knows that I could use them, so I'm going to use them. That's not what you say. That's not how you speak. That's not where you speak. You choose your words incredibly carefully. You don't do it off the cuff. We have a very sick 
mentally unhinged, dangerous man in the Oval Office. I do not excuse Vladimir Putin's genocidal, monstrous attacks on the people of Ukraine and so forth. That's not my point. The Putinoids do that. But we've got an enemy in Putin and an enema in Biden. 